rejuvenating media day by day this is salam media Hello and welcome to the special focus on Salaam Media with myself Zahi Jadwit. So today we are looking at climate change, global warming. Ever scared you before? Shy to ask basic questions? Well, that's what we are doing this afternoon. Um we'll try and find out what exactly is the whole climate emergency about and this whole climate change discussion. And to help us get a better understanding, our guests this afternoon are Khalid Meter and environmental scientist at Oceans Not Oil. He joins us once again on the show. And we have Ulrich Stiernkamp, an environmental justice activist at Earthlife Africa. Hi, good morning everybody. And Nazir Jamal, who is the lead environmental scientist at Kweza Environmental Consulting. All right, um, we had invited Ms. Nazia Wadi, who... Um, is an environmental activist and climate change activist she is also the former miss south africa uh, miss earth south africa however we can't get through to her this uh, afternoon so let's start here with you khalid help us understand what exactly is climate change and global warming does it exist really and do, is there is it really something to fear about khalid just quickly your opinion what are your thoughts on climate change does it really exist oh it truly does exist um i would like to concur with my colleague that just spoke now no it does exist um i think this would be more for your elderly generations they can actually remember a time when they knew exactly when the rains were going to come when when it's going to actually be spring when it's going to be winter and so forth nowadays our our seasons are messed up and the biosphere like all of life is trying to cope and we're still struggling and we're having more and more climate related disasters like the recent drought in the cape or the current floods that we're having here in Gauteng these are just um a few examples i can give off the top of my head so whoever says it's not existing needs to open their eyes Um Khalid what do you th- see coming uh, as a result of this continuous global warming at um extremely high rates and climate change Uh Zahid, well, obvious apparent what apparently obvious are the large effects which are the weather storms the droughts and the floods these are the ones which cause human suffering on a massive scale and they are like, devastating but 
what's more nefarious is the things which are happening at a smaller level, the complete collapse of biodiversity. Because if you think about it, and I'm not uh, speculating here, if you think about it, the effects are, are felt at the ecosystem level. A little bit of warmth, you can go, go about it at a day, but a little bit of heat over a long period is going to cause insect eggs to hatch uh, deformed because they're not used to that. It's going to cause birds to fall out of the sky from stress. It's going to cause plants to grow out of season, bloom too early. We are causing chaos in the natural world and it can't, there's not enough time for it to adapt. Right now, um, they're speculating like 10 years before complete ecosystem collapse. Bees are disappearing in the northern parts of the world. It's a lot of problems which are happening in isolation. But if you look at it from a bigger perspective, like your landscape level, your ecosystem level, you'll see the complexity is being lost in our natural world. And that complexity is the cushion on which human life sits. We draw everything in our existence from the complexity of the natural world, from medicine to food, variety, even to our reared livestock. Right now there's a, a locust swarm happening in Eastern Africa and this is also a result of out-of-season temperatures, uh, single domination of a genetic code, which is the locust, and the inability to kill them. And this is all of the effects of climate change. It's related to climate change because the disastrous effects will impact the ecosystems at a very minor level, and that's what we are going to be feeling. All right. Now, climate change hasn't come without controversy. Um, U.S. President Donald Trump, for example, having dismissed it on numerous occasions. And I have an audio clip, in fact, which I want to play for the panel and the listeners as well. So let's take a quick listen to it and then you can have your thoughts on that. President Trump believes climate change is a hoax. We know this because he has said it over and over again. So Obama's talking about all of this with the global warming and that, and a lot of it's a hoax. It's a hoax. I mean, it's a money-making industry, okay? It's a hoax. All right. Hold it right there, um, Nazir. He says it's a money-making industry. How does this sound for you as an environmental scientist? Yeah, um, I love Trump. It's just some good comedy uh, <laughs> every time. <laughs> so, so, look, I mean, we have this, this, this type of personality called climate deniers, climate change deniers. Or I, I deal with them on a daily basis. Uh, if it's not companies, individuals, people, uh, and a lot of it is obviously fueled by you know, crazy thoughts such as people like Trump and so on who don't truly understand, who don't really believe. But they're also getting their information from scientists, right? There are certain scientists who believe that, look, we've got this whole thing wrong, it's a natural change, it happened, we had the ice age, we had heat waves, this is a natural progression, and you know what? I agree with them. It's natural, it will happen, mm-hmm. but the rate, the rate that it's happening, the rate that it's changing is not natural. That is an accelerated rate caused by mankind, by the use of fossil fuels, and so on, which is the problem. So, it's to an extent, you know, like so many would say, certain aspects of evolution is not acceptable, it's not true. Just like that, certain aspects of what people believe in is not true. And, and, and unfortunately, we, and when he speaks about the money behind it, yes, there could be. I mean, I know I, I, I was trained with Al Gore uh, in Melbourne on climate issues. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that everyone says, well, the reason why Al Gore is traveling the world and speaking about uh, climate change is the fact that he's got a huge 
money industry supplying solar energy and alternative energy. So, to be honest, there's going to be money trailing everything, I agree. But the entire process and, and what's happening right now is not just about money. It's truly about climate. It's about the environment. It's about animals. It's about truly the acceleration that we as humankind has the impact that we have. And of course, this club really does get interesting as we listen further. So let's just listen to a short bit more and then we'll find out, we'll interrogate his thoughts um, based on his opinion that China is actually uh, to blame for this. Has tweeted climate change skepticism at least 115 times, including a claim that the concept of global warming was created by and for the Chinese. So the president has very firmly established his position on the issue and has shown no indication that he's changed that position. But since the president's views tend to be... All right. So, Khalid, created by China for China, what do you make of this? You know, uh, I, sometimes I just... <laughs> you would not go to the doctor to get an opinion about the inner workings of your car engine. So, it's, it's a case of we got a man in power who is making sweeping statements out of ignorance and this is why if there is a perceived threat by china by him but it's not unfounded but it's, it's leading to the sweeping statements of ignorance uh, causing climate denialism on the china issue there is a lot of good that comes out of the country the most populated country on the planet with more than a billion people you know moving through it daily we cannot expect it to be an island of humanity. It is cause of a lot of fossil fuel pollution, but there's also a lot of solutions and industry that comes out of China. Uh, it's what's worrying is the government of China's plan, however, to kind of mobilize resources in a novel fashion across uh, the, the developing world. They've got the Belt and Road system, uh, which they want to implement, and uh, they'll roll out lots of uh, hubs of commerce and extraction points, basically harbors and roads and transport networks. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, a worldwide step because not only does it compromise the, the green sustainable future goals of the, the UN, but it's a major threat towards climate change in its essence because it's facilitating more consumption and resource abstraction. We've got to try and shape society in a way where we worry about, we live in harmony with the environment and with people and in so kindness. And the modus of the Chinese right now is completely against the climate vision for the Earth. Uh, that's all as far as I can say about it. And Trump is just delusional. He's not someone you should listen to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Where does South Africa stand in terms of emissions and the various factors contributing towards global warming? How much do we contribute as a nation in South Africa? That's a question coming to you. And let's take a short break for now. And when we get back, you can answer that question. Stay tuned. It's a new beginning. It's a new era. Salam Media. Humanitarian journalism. Come back. We are discussing this afternoon climate change and global warming, and our guests this afternoon are um, Ulrich Stiankamp uh, from Earth Life Africa, and we have environmental scientists Khalid Mater and Nazir Jamal. Ulrich, for you now, um, where does South Africa stand in terms of emissions? How much do we contribute towards global warming? Oh, um, well, in terms of the continent, we are the number one emitter. 
in all of Africa, and I think globally we're in the top 10. I think the list has gotten updated recently. I haven't gotten the latest one, but we are in the top 10 polluters. And in terms of the developing world, we are the most pollutant. So South Africa, in terms of emissions, we are extremely high. All right. So if we are leading in the contribution towards climate change and global warming, right, um, how does climate change in, in itself affect South Africa and the South African citizens? How does it affect the citizens in general? Yes. Well, for one thing, I am originally from the Karoo, which is a semi-desert area, but they've, they've only received their summer rains now in January and not in December, meaning water restrictions have been rife with throughout the western, north, north, northern and eastern Cape, and uh, water, the price of water has already skyrocketed, and this will have a ripple-on effect with other water-intensive industries like your energy generation, which we are currently using coal, combustion, and some nuclear to, to, to generate our electricity, even though it's faulty. But uh, it's, going to, it's going to have a roll-on effect, and it's just going to increase the inflation, and it's going to increase all of our, all of our day-to-day expenses. So the people on the ground is going to feel it more, especially your more impoverished communities. The question that would then arise, Nazir, is how prepared is South Africa, and Africa as a whole, in fact? How prepared are we for the effects of global warming and climate change? Can we handle the catastrophic conditions that come about as a result of global warming? Oh, I would say we, um, South Africa, we are brilliant when it comes to policy making and law making, but we lack either the political will or the capacity to implement these policies, laws, and what have you. So we have plans at hand that might have some impact, but minimal is being done, uh, but we do have the potential, we do have ways of adapting to um, climate change uh, issues, and we also have ways of, of mitigating climate change um, impacts and our contribution of, of emissions, but um, we need to we need to just go back to our, not our, not our agrarian lifestyle, but be more of a plant-based society. And actually, be pro be pro plant increase in all of this because um, even the best carbon capture storage can't capture uh, um, pollution as fast as plants do. So I think it's back to go to going to the grannies and asking them how they did it because they actually were more resilient than we modern kids are now. <laughs> all right. Now here's a question for you, Nazir. Will the uh, actions we take today, like for example, planting a million trees, as some suggest, would that be enough to forestall the direct impacts of climate change, or is it just probably a little too late? I definitely don't think it's too late. We are at the cuff. I, I believe we're right at the edge. We're we're just about to fall off. Um, but I'm glad that the conversation's happening. I mean, look, today we have this conversation. So the first stage is that awareness. So we're doing that. That's there. It's, it's all up. We've got, you know, United Nations discussing it. We have special conferences. But all of that will fall flat if it's just words. The problem mm-hmm. is that the implementation, yes, we all signed the Paris Agreement. We're all saying huge stories about our reduction in fossil fuels and our change to alternative energy. 
The problem is it's all talk, and mm. that's where and that's where I think we 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 really uh, are falling short. So it's not too late. What the changes that we will that will occur will have would, to happen with this new generation. Who are now facing it? They don't understand. I grew up a little in the old time when, um, as as your guest uh, said, that you know you remember the season, uh, and now coming into a point where I really don't know what's going on, we see that impact. The younger generation it has realized that look, our season are, are being over, um, um, you know, consumed. Our land is being uh, reduced. Deforestation is happening. They kind of seeing that look, this is, a, and it's also part of the curriculum. So I kind of think the new generation, this. 21st century going into 2020 and above are, are the ones who are going to sort of bring much more change in their own little social media way. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it has to be something that's active, it has to be real, it has to be tangible and practical. All right. Now, Khalid, according to uh, an article on Wikipedia, right, from 1961 to 1990, there was a gradual reduction in the amount of sunlight reaching the Earth's surface, and that was observed at that time a phenomenon popularly known as global dimming, typically attributed to aerosols and uh, from biofuel and fossil fuel burning. So would it be correct to assume that such a pollutant is different to the rest? Is it doing us benefit? Yeah, it's complicated because we put stuff in the air that had an impact on our climate and subsequently the Earth. But global dimming caused by the aerosol particles in the air is responsible for scattering some of the incoming radiation from the sun back out into the atmosphere. Now, this happens naturally through the cloud cover. The clouds protect us from some of the incoming radiation of the sun. Us putting fossil fuels in the atmosphere added to that effect by now causing the global dimming. What they're worrying about is weird, you know, we're on a slippery slope down the hellhole. Once we're trying to fix the problem, like the whole fossil fuel reliance, we are going to activate a lessening of the dimming effect of the aerosol particles. So that's going to increase the amount of sunlight coming to the Earth uh, over time. And that may have other consequences of melting the polar ice caps faster, warming up the ocean, warming up the land. It's not something we can solve because we need to aim towards getting towards a sustainable solution. We can't go and start burning fossil fuels for the sake of, um, you know, causing the aerosol particles in the air. It's a complicated issue, Zahid, and um, I, I don't think that's a, a barometer of the, the actual crisis of what we are in. It's just a symptom of saying we've caused so much of problems. This is another symptom of the problem that's because we're removing, it's like removing a stint from your heart after you had surgery. Mm-hmm. You needed it there in the first place because of bad eating and your diabetes. And now it's all coming to catch up with you. What happens if the world heats up more drastically, let's say four degrees? Let's just talk about right now, Zahir. Right now we have massive swaths of the ocean becoming acidic because of the exchange rate of carbon in the atmosphere. We've got the land heating up at places it's never... Uh, but the land heats and cools. What is really important, because I'm coming from oceans, I'm going to harp on this point. Mm-hmm. The oceans are the living uh, heat sink, the mediator, the radiator of the Earth. They radiate a lot of the thermal energy of the planet, and this warms places in the north, like Europe, to the Gulf Stream, and is responsible for uprising even on the uh, west coast of South Africa. Without the functioning of the ocean and the thermal haze and the jet stream, we, we don't understand the problem. 
we have got ourselves into it's weakening and as I told you once this is all signs of the end days because we're what we're scientifically investigating and interrogating this phenomena and we are not taking care of our oceans people are ignorant and people do not want to engage with the subject I'm just glad for this platform because it gives us a chance to talk about it and make people interested in this plan we call home this earth all right um let's talk about the paris climate agreement it was signed in 2016 by 195 signatories does it have what it takes to effectively fight off climate change ulrich oh it's well for me it's it's a little bit too mellow there's lots of mays and shoulds and instead of musts and the stuff has to, to be demanded so with that there was too much leeway and there was also no repercussions for uh, countries not not adhering to the Paris agreement so we need to also try and reform our international litigation when it comes to the things because we have less than a de- decade to actually make some some noticeable uh, positive impact with, with regards to our climate catastrophe that we are facing but if we are going to just sit idly by and just try and try and achieve the, the Paris agreement I fear we may already have been too late because majority of the countries have already exceeded their either their expected emissions limit or, or some are approaching it and these limits were set by these countries themselves and it was not set out by science so we are basically giving people leeway to go and pollute as much as they think they are allowed to pollute instead of having it dictated by science so we need more harsher intervention and we need to stop with this lackluster international politics where we just allow people to just sign on something and then just leave like what the Donald Trump did whereby they are a great historical polluter and they are supposed to be the ones who are, who are actually helping facilitating the restoration of the environment but they along with some other nations are, are rather unwilling to do so so we need more stricter enforcement with regard to that and what has changed since it came into effect if anything oh well we've had lots of policy changes minimal um changes when it comes to implementation well whilst we've been signing this we've been building new coal fire power stations up in Limpopo instead of using the ample solar power that South Africa can gen- generate here and we've been having issues whereby people and companies who want to set up solar power stations are struggling because of they they they're fighting legislature ESCOM at the same time and then there's the issue whereby communities also want to actually have their own socially owned renewable energy projects are being denied such because of their so greater fight within the energy sector and there's a vested interest from our government and so forth to to continue with the status quo instead of actually changing because changing the system as it is now will take someone brave and we do not have anyone brave in politics right now I'm telling you Fantastic. This is a really really interesting discussion that we are having this afternoon and um we are talking about climate change and global warming. Thanks so much to our expert guests this afternoon giving us some sentiment regarding um the uh, the biggest one of the biggest issues facing the world at this moment. Um Let's take a short break and we get, when we get back we'll look at lots of your comments that are coming through we'll read some of them and we'll get some reaction from the guests as well stay tuned
Listen to something fresh. Listen to Salam Media. Now for the listeners, remember that you can also share your thoughts. This is a public platform. You can tweet and tag at Zahi Jadwit and you can t- uh, tag at Salam Media. Um, WhatsApp messages to 0617660355. Let's see some of the comments coming through on Twitter. And it's interesting to see some more Trump ideology here, should I say. Um, John Handley tweets, The whole climate change business is not about the environment or saving the planet. And anyone who thinks otherwise is delusional. It's about taking money from sovereign nations and giving it to the UN via the IPCC for reasons of ideology. And then... Okay. Um, now, Kames, uh, Kames Jr. also tweets, What scares me is that we are reaching the point in technology where we can actually influence the climate. How do we know that they won't use that technology to create global warming brainwash? Um, Khalid, your thoughts on that? Zahir, you know, I'm so proud of these people for actually coming out and trying to engage with the subject matter because it shows our preconceived ideas about climate change and the environment at the same time. I actually want to agree with the first commenter's point that it's not about the environment or saving biodiversity. It's about saving mankind. It's about saving our existence and civilization here on Earth. The planet doesn't care. It doesn't care if we've polluted it or warmed it or acidified the ocean. It doesn't care if every animal that we know now is dead. In a few million years, there will be something else growing here. What we want is for humanity to leave a legacy of goodness on this planet Earth. It, it, it's very sad sometimes to feel like people are attacked by the climate change debate because it, it's a very true debate. It, it speaks to what Ulrich uh, spoke about in the beginning, how we are reliant on a non-plant-based life. If we think about plants and just appreciate them even in, in, in that we'll understand how much they do. They, remove toxins from our air, they cool the environment, they feed us. There's a complete system change that must happen in society and it's uh, good for the people to engage with it, but I feel some of the arguments need a, a bit more depth. Right. Some more comments here. Jonathan Nightfire, um, he tweets, Climate change is a hoax because many uh, because man-made doesn't cause global uh, global warming and it's the sun that causes the earth to change. Earth is 4.5 billion years old. Then another one says every home, small or large, should have at least one tree. I think a little bit different sentiment here. And just a quick one here also, um, Desiree Jacobs saying plant your own food just like put some seed in the ground. The sun, the rain, earth does the rest. Well, because... Um, it's God's creation, right? Just put in the seed, man. And why are we waiting for governments and big businesses to feed us? Um, and this talks about the threat to f- food security. Is there any such threat, Nazir? Oh, definitely. I, I uh, am just glad to be able to work with the charity called Penny Appeal. And so we travel um, a lot to remote villages and areas in South Africa as well as in Africa. And, and, and we see the, the dire straits of communities. Um, uh, with reliance on uh, other forms of, of uh, you know, uh, food sources, the natural sense of it, the communities themselves with the amount of flooding that I, either happened or the drought that, that's occurring. And these droughts are not just normal process. Just I agree, there's natural droughts and 
you know, uh, um, various uh, uh, floods that would occur in, in 100 years or 50 years, floods and so on. But these are stuff that coming out of the blue, long distance, extremely severe, completely different to uh, the norm that the, the scientists have been having uh, recording. And that's where the problem comes in. So you have communities who are already impacted all lives uh, with regards to source of income and, and sources of food. And now you have these huge climate changes on their lives. And so it affects not only this generation, but the generation to come who then have the same to deal with the previous uh, inherited issues. And so it definitely has a problem on people's lives. And, and, and that's, that's why we're standing up. That's why we're creating awareness. That's why we're marching. Uh, it's somebody has to do something and it's up to us as environmentalists to do that. Let's move on. Um, will taking action make our lives better or safer? Or will it only just make a difference to future generations, Ulrich? of our actions that we take, we can either feel it now or we can leave a better world for our children um, because it is us, our parents and our grandparents that made the mistake of actually when we, when we started to industrialize, to, to massively pollute our environment, so it's going to take some time for our environment to recover. But if we intensify our efforts and if we actually mobilize as many people as possible to have, to have an essay or have some action with regards to with regards to some climate change mitigation we might be able to have some impact in our lifetimes but if we are going to be lackluster and not wanting to do anything and even if we just do a little bit by little bit by the time our grandkids comes around they'll probably not even have any environment left to fight for and this is especially sad for sub-saharan africa because for the as the rest of the world will warm by one degree, we will warm by two. This has been recently proven by the UN IPPC report, where, or IPCC report, whereby they did like a, a, a global study on this. And this is contrary to what that other climate denier gentleman was writing about. I believe that people should be funded, in, funded by science and informed by science and not by... Uh, and not by some ideologies that you feel like man is not powerful enough to, to influence this, to influence the climate as a whole. Because I remember the last time the the ice age ended was because a volcano set set coal alight in 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 what not Alaska in Russia in the time in the time period. And even then, the rate at which it was warming is not equal to the rate it has been warming over the past two hundred years. So. We need to make drastic changes just as we drastically industrialize the world. We need to drastically um, make the world more environmentally friendly. All right. We want to feel safe in our lifetime, yeah. All right. Audrey, this one is also for you. So just quickly, um, we've seen how protests uh, against climate change have sprung up across the globe. And more recently, teenage activist Greta Thunberg has risen to fame as a result of her campaign. Um, what does this say about the younger generation and their awareness of climate change? And what are they doing um, in the face of climate change? very much rooted within her education and, and, and I commend her for all of that she has done and uh, youth will be angered because the, the adults, I'm sorry to say, but they'll be dead by the time that um, the harsh effects of climate
climate change will be will be felt. So it would be it would be of no use for some adult to say I don't need to change my life because I'm not going to be impacted by this. And this is what fuels the anger with a lot of the youth activists it's because of the apathy of the elder generations who do not want to change their habitual ways of polluting the earth. So that's what's what um, encouraging the, the younger activists to stand up because they're the ones who are going to pay for, for the, the joy that we as the older generations are having now. All right. The last question would now be, what is the solution to all of this? How can you and I as individuals help to combat global warming? Um, Khalid, you can take the first, uh, take that first and then the rest of you can give your input. Um, please keep it short, uh, sweet and short. Okay, well, first and foremost, uh, engage engage in these platforms, engage about the subject matter if you're worried about your life because <laughs> your life exists on Earth and we need us <laughs> to continue our life. So go on, on online, go into your libraries, go into your universities, the schools, engage with what is climate change, what is the science behind it. And if all of your, your questions are not answered on this show, try and find out the answers from someone reputable and knowledgeable. Uh, my second point will be look at your carbon footprint and try and cut down. Everything you do is related to coal and carbon in this world. What you eat, where you travel, how you spend your luxury time, what you buy. Look at it and think about where you're getting this cell phone from and the iron inside of it. It came from China or from, from North Korea or Africa. You must think about growing local, eating less meat because it is... You know, I, I like to give this Islamic-minded quote. It was written in some hadith that the Prophet warned against meat because it is a intoxicating as wine. So eat it less often if you can. Savor it as uh, luxury. Or if you can, cut it out completely and do uh, yourself a favor and, and, and lower your, your carbon footprint. Uh, that is from my side. Okay. Nazir, quickly your parting shot. Yeah, um, look, I always do, uh, differentiate the various levels of solutions. So one is at a, you know, a global scale, the, the local scale, but also from a government point of view. So number one, we need those policies. We need that having writing to, 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 and the promises. Yes, it's all in writing, but it needs to be number one there. The second part is the enforcement that comes with it. Uh, I was in government for 10 years, and enforcement is a major issue. So the, uh, really a strong level of enforcement forces to ensure that those promises are being kept. That the, that the, and then the next level is the industry. Uh, so industries themselves, their promises that they've made, their reduction in their footprints, um, and and, uh, and a huge change in their mindsets for their own business, and and it, and it actually makes financial sense because that's that's what it comes down to, right? Uh, most of the businesses and governments they want to know does it make financial sense? Will it will it save us money? It will save you money in the long run. You're going to be saving. You're going to be having a much less uh, reliance on heavy fossil fuels. You're using natural energies. So it just means a little investment now for a much better future, and that just makes business sense. And the last part, obviously, is in individuals, you know, on, on a local scale to them, to themselves. Uh, they, people just feel like this thing is such a huge word. Um, it's so, uh, it's so much to it. How can I, my little impact, really change anything? Uh, yeah, I'm going to use straws now, and not using plastics. Uh, you know, I'm planting little spec forms. Is that really going to affect anything? And I say the law, the law of large numbers has an amazing effect on change globally. We've seen it on many, you know, uh, civil rights campaigns that have happened. So the law, law of large numbers shows 
that if you, everyone works together towards a similar goal, you're going to have success. And I think that's where we should continuously remind people that if you, your neighbor, your children, your, your, your friends, your family, all start getting together and doing this change, just small changes will have the, the larger impact. Um, you know, simple, simple uh, issues with regards to your little home, about reusing your water, about changing how, uh, how you drive, um, and, and what obviously uh, fuel you're using in your vehicles. Uh, you know, simple light changing bulbs in your house. I mean, these are small things on a, a scale that you could do in your own home uh, just to make that change. All right. That's where we're going to have to leave it. Ulrich, just quickly, 30 seconds for your final thoughts on this discussion and climate change. All right. I, I agree with what, what my fellow panelists have said. And then I would just like to say reduce, um, reuse, recycle and plant as much as you can. And keep our leaders accountable and keep our businesses accountable. Shop wisely, shop environmentally friendly also. Thank you. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Thank you so much to all of you for your time on the special focus. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much. Can I say, another fantastic discussion this afternoon on the Special Focus. I hope I've covered all your questions, or at least most of them. After hearing all these facts around climate change and global warming, do you still deny climate change and the whole global warming story? Let Do let me know. Tag me at Zahi Jadwit, and I'll certainly pick up on what you have to say. Thank you so much for tuning in this afternoon between 3 and 4 p.m. And thanks to those who sent comments as well. Um, thanks to Kanyusu Ziyad and Shazia Zubair for always keeping the show under control. Time for me, Zahi Jarwad, to say goodbye for now. Until next week, stay great.